Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. All right. How's it going, citizens? How we doing? Woo! Hey, guys, the sun is up after like 5 p.m. How do we feel about that? That's pretty great, right? Let's make that happen all the time. Let's just stop this daylight savings things. I don't know if I've ever been more convinced of anything in my life. This would be such a good decision, right? We all are just like remain happier or like we just automatically change the clock back in our minds or something. I don't know. Um, I saw this tweet once. It was hilarious. It was like, but if we change the, it, what if we change the time back? Will that mess with like the crop rotation and the amount of sunlight that the plants get? And I was like, and I think everyone was like, wait a minute. Us changing the clocks doesn't have anything to do with what the sun's going to do, right? You know that, right? Like the sun's going to do its thing and the clocks are going to do their thing. And we're just going to have to collaborate with like what the sun wants to do, right? Okay. Uh, that's not in my notes. Hey, open up your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3, we're in week 2 of our series called Greater. We asked you this question, what's better? Original nacho cheese, Doritos, or Cool Ranch? And so now I'm willing to hear answers. I'm willing to hear original. How many say original nacho cheese is the goat? Okay. How about Cool Ranch as better? Okay. Now, how about this section actually decide to engage with the question next time? Let's try it again. All right, whole room participation. Which, which is better? Cool Ranch or nacho cheese? Let's start with nacho cheese. Who thinks nacho cheese Doritos is better? Let's go. I'm looking at you guys. All right, Cool Ranch people, raise their hands. Amazing. I think the Cool Ranch people have it, and I think that I agree with you because Cool Ranch is way better. Just saying. Come on. Listen. Listen. I'm not going to say it's opinion, it's fact. It's just what I believe in the depth of my soul that Cool Ranch is way, way better than nacho cheese. All right, bring it on in, bring it on in. This simple question, what's better? There on the screen. This simple question has sparked hours and hours of conversation and debate around lunch tables for generations of high schoolers in school. Have you noticed this? You may have a slow day or you may be waiting in line. You may be at lunch or something. And then there's just like a random, maybe there's like a civil conversation happening, right? Maybe there's just like a casual, you're, in, you're talking about school, you're talking about life. And all of a sudden somebody comes in with a flaming hot question like, what is better, nacho cheese or cool ranch? Or maybe the question's even more intense, right? Maybe the question is, all right, what's better, Star Wars or Star Trek? And then maybe, maybe I've watched, I've watched, I seem to have a lot of opinions about that one. Okay. I have watched grown men nearly get into a physical altercation because of this next question. Who is better or who is the goat question mark? LeBron or Jordan is the question that I've seen people fight over for hours and I am all for it because I love it. And I don't really have a super strong opinion. 
I have seen this happen time and time again. This simple question is proposed. What is better? Have you guys seen these tier list videos that kind of come up on your YouTube feed or TikTok all the time? Okay. I've noticed this about myself recently. I'm kind of obsessed with like ranking things. Have you know? I don't know. This is like the way my brain works. I find a lot of comfort in like ranking things. I like it if I like know an artist. I kind of rank their albums like this is their best album. This is their worst album or least well received album. And I kind of go through tier lists. Have you seen this? Some people have tier lists on like the best snacks, the best Marvel movies, the best Star Wars movies. Have you guys seen these? Right? Okay. Well, I didn't realize how easy it was to make one of these tier like things these tier lists. So I'm going to share a few lists that I made today with you. And I want you to do this. I want you to just listen. Because I know some people are going to be mad at me, but this is just my opinion, okay? I'm not going to stand as strong on it as I was the Doritos thing. Um, Okay, so the first one I want to show, okay, so Star Wars, I love Star Wars. I made a tier list of all the Star Wars TV shows and movies. I'm going to throw it on the screen. It might be a little hard to see, but we'll talk about it. This is what I came up with today. I didn't realize how easy these were to make. Now, let me explain. Let me explain. It's a little tiny. So S tier is like the top. That's like the goat. That's like the best. I got three things up there for Star Wars. Number one, the best of the best is Empire Strikes Back. There's no debate. There's no question. Closely followed up with The New Hope. And a bit of a controversial choice, but I was feeling it. The Mandalorian is right up there with the S-tier Star Wars content. Just phenomenal stuff coming out of Star Wars these days. All right, another controversial choice. Rogue One is phenomenal. It's an A-tier film, no doubt about it. All right, I, I actually made a mistake. I'm just realizing it now. I accidentally put the Clone Wars show and movie in the same category. Just forget that the Clone Wars movie is there. The Clone Wars show, also a tier. Amazing. Uh, Return of the Jedi, obviously. Okay, another bit of a controversial choice. I love Solo. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I want to hear all the hate. I liked it. I thought it was good. I put it right up there with episode three. Why not? All right, episode one and uh, Force Awakens are kind of that C tier. They're fine. It's okay. Uh, D tier, uh, Last Jedi, or excuse me, the uh, Rise of Skywalker. Eh, eh. All right, and now we're getting to the bottom of the barrel. The absolute worst, in my opinion. The Last Jedi and Star Wars Episode Two. I thought were just pretty abysmal. Did not like either of them. Clone Wars or Attack of the Clones, didn't like it. Didn't think it was that good. All right, this is my tier list for Star Wars. I got a few more. Uh, let's show the Marvel one. These are all my Marvel. This is just the Infinity Saga. This is what I came up with. Um, some of you guys may know these a bit more. Now listen, you can make your own if you don't like it. You can make your own. It's free online and in two minutes. All right, listen, shush, shush, listen. All right, Captain America, the GOAT. That's why he's the MVP. That's why he's the greatest of all time. So good. Uh, Captain America is just phenomenal. I put... Uh, the second one, Winter Soldier's in there. Guardians, phenomenal. Both Avengers Endgame, Infinity War, awesome. You can read through the next. I don't think we, we'd be wasting too much time going through all of it. I think the illustration has landed. This is it. All right, shh, listen up, listen up. I know I've sparked a, I've opened a literal can of worms with this, but we're going somewhere, I promise. All right, now I have a, I, I realized they had this as well. This is a snack tier list as well. 
I want to show you this. This one's, there's a lot of snacks on here. So show this one. This is my snack tier list. There's like a hundred on there. I was like, whoa. Again, some controversial choices, but you can make your own. All right, let's just talk about the highlights. Let's just talk about the highlights. Shush. All right, make it rain, make it rain. I've never had to do this on a Wednesday, but make it rain. Shh, shh. I've lost the room. My illustration was too impactful. I'm sorry. All right. S tier, S tier snacks. Chex Mex, or, or Chex Mix is so good. I almost said Tex Mex, not what I was trying to say. We're not talking about chilies. Uh, dude. Doritos? Okay, do you know where the, the Cool Ranch Doritos ranks in my mind? Very top, in my opinion. You can make your own. I'm just going to keep saying it. All right, now trash can. Trash can stuff. Fritos. I hate Fritos. I think they're so bad. They're horrible. It's awful. Uh, raisins. I'm like, who, do, who eats raisins as a snack? Who eats raisins as a snack? Wow, all right, that's all right. I'm gonna hold my tongue. I'm gonna reserve what I would have said. Um, I've never had flaming Hot Cheetos because I'm a wimp, I can't do hot, hot things. All right, take it off the screen. I can't, have, I can't have this heckling anymore. I can't, it's too, you guys are making me too anxious. Listen, all this to say, all this to say. Thank you guys. You can make your own. If you didn't like it, if you're like, dude, I think that guy was wrong, send me your list. I'd be curious to see it. Maybe I'll put it on the screen next week. We can talk about it. We can have a healthy conversation about it. But Cool Ranch is great. Okay. Um, there's all these like, lists going around these days. What's better? What's best? What's good? What's kind of good? What's not that good? And what is absolutely terrible? All right. And like I said, we started this brand new series in the book of Hebrews. And there's a common thread uh, throughout the book of Hebrews. There's this common idea that seems to weave in and out of every single chapter that we're going to go through for the next like a bajillion weeks together that I'm excited to explore with you. Um, there is this idea of good, and then there is this idea of best. There are multiple things that the author brings before us that are pretty great, great things. But the, all throughout the book of Hebrews, what the author is trying to do is he is trying to paint a picture of somebody who is supreme. He is trying to paint a picture of somebody who is greater. He's trying to take uh, a snapshot over the time and history of the Jewish people and say, this is why Jesus is greater. This is why he's not a little bit better than good. This is why he's supreme. This is not just like a little bit better than like the life you were living before. This is a totally new life. The author of Hebrews is trying to communicate to us that Jesus is greater. Jesus is supreme. There is nothing comparing. Uh, there's nothing that we can compare to Jesus. He reigns above everything. There is nothing that gets in the way of Jesus's supremacy in the universe. There is only one who is holy. There is only one who is separate, and there is only one who is greater. And in today's passage, we're going to see um, this author comparing two things. He's going to be talking about this guy named Moses. And many of you know who this is. If you don't, we'll talk about him in just a minute. He's going to talk about Moses and very briefly mention how Moses was a faithful servant to God. And then he's going to talk about Jesus. 
and why Moses was, or why Jesus was a greater servant than Moses, why Jesus is a more supreme uh, and holy uh, version of a faithful servant, why Jesus is supreme compared to uh, who Moses was and what he did. And I think that this is a common thread throughout this book that I'm excited to explore with you multiple times and times again. There is only one who is greater. There is only one who is holy. There is only one worth basing your entire life on. There is only one worth giving everything to, and his name is Jesus. And so why don't you bow your heads with me? We're going to pray one more time, and then we're going to ask the Lord to guide us through his word. God, would you be with us as we uh, open up this awesome, awesome section of your, your scriptures? God, I pray that um, we would be faithful to listen to where you guide us. We'd be faithful to um, pay attention, to put away distractions. God, I pray that you would be with us as we uh, discuss this in just a few minutes in our groups. God, I pray that we would be uh, wholehearted and focused in on who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, this is uh, Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 1. It says this. We're just going to read uh, all the way through this passage, and then we're going to talk about the first two verses first. It says this. Therefore, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast to our, con our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. That's the whole point of what we're reading here in Hebrews the first two verses show us a picture of faithful servants and a faithful servant. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling. Let's just talk about this for a second. Um, the author of this is now transitioning to a different point. He's kind of moving on from what we read last week. And he is kind of reengaging with this idea. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Some translations say look to Jesus or think about Jesus. Or believe in Jesus. Um, this translation says, um, consider Jesus, which I really enjoy. It says, therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. The calling, so obviously the author is writing to a group of believers. This is one of the evidences of that. Um, this has to be a group of believers. And he is reminding these listeners that the calling that they have been called to is not of themselves. It is of God. God has called them into a brotherhood and a holy brotherhood at that. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. You know, it's an extraordinary thing to be called a child of God, right? And we're just getting into the verse, but I just wanted to touch on this. It's a very extraordinary thing to be called a child of God. You are a part of a family that is eternal. You are a part of a calling that doesn't change. You are a part of a family that will be here forever. You have been called to a holy calling if you are in Christ Jesus. And so the author says this, consider Jesus, look to Jesus, believe in Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all of God's 
house. The author is calling his listeners to consider Jesus. Faithfulness is used here uh, twice. Uh, Twice here it's used. It says who Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him, just like Moses was also faithful in all of God's house. Uh, Faithfulness means that you can put your entire faith and trust in something. All right, if somebody is faithful, it means they can deliver. If someone is faithful, it means they're going to do what they said they were going to do. If someone is faithful, it means they will follow through on the promises that they made. I don't know if you've ever been like paired up with uh, somebody for a class project that you had zero faith in, but it's a pretty tough feeling, you know, where your teacher's like, all right, we're going to pair you in groups of two or three, and you're going to have this big test or this big project. You're going to work together, and you kind of get, have you ever gotten this? You've gotten paired up with someone, and you have like zero faith in them? Like, man, they're always late. I don't even think I know who they are because they're always skipping school. Now, have you ever been paired up? Now, has this happened to you? This happened to me a few times. I felt great about it. You've gotten paired up with the smartest person in class somehow in a group project. And you're just like, God, thank you. This is great. I've got complete faith and trust in this person, right? Uh, Somebody who is faithful is someone who can deliver on the things that they said they're going to do. Their character has shown it. Um, Their actions have showed it. Their words are consistent with their actions. They're faithful. And what the author is saying here, he's saying Jesus is faithful just like Moses was faithful. Now, if you don't know who Moses was, um, you shouldn't be ashamed of that. We got some people in the room who are new. I don't know your story. Um, Moses is one of the key central figures in the Old Testament, the Bible, and to the Jewish people. I mean, patriarch of the faith, like just this rock star, Mount Rushmore of like uh, leadership, Mount Rushmore of like uh, the history of the Jewish people, um, just completely a uh, hero to many people. And what the author is doing is he's, he's comparing Jesus to Moses. And of course, we're going to see what he says about him in just a minute. Now, Moses was faithful. He was God's faithful servant to deliver people out of slavery and beyond. You can find the whole narrative of Moses uh, from Genesis, or excuse me, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You can see the story of Moses, how he was faithful, how he listened to what God called him to do. It's under, it's, we have to understand the context here. This is a big deal to the listeners of Hebrews. They would have known this name. They would have seen this name. They would have been, um, they would have been just completely enamored by the stories of how Moses was faithful and how uh, the history of their people was brought out of uh, slavery because of the faithfulness of this one man. And now Moses was not perfect whatsoever. I mean, Moses, he was not a compelling speaker. He had no confidence in himself. He had major anger issues, so much so to the point where he killed a guy and fled the country. And then he, years later after this happens, after the parting of the Red Sea, after all these amazing miracles that happen, uh, Moses gets angry and strikes a rock and God doesn't allow him into the promised land because of this insane anger that Moses had. And so Moses is not a perfect guy, but he's faithful with God, with what God said he had to do. It says this, remember it says, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession who is faithful to him who appointed him just as Moses was also faithful in all of God's house or with God's people. Um, You don't have to be perfect to be faithful. You and I don't have to be perfect to be faithful to what God has called us to do. You may think that your failures have disqualified you from being a part of God's family. You may think that your failures or your screw-ups or your sin has 
bought you a ticket out of God's family into the spirit of the age and the world that we live in. And that's just simply not true. You don't have to be perfect to be faithful. You can be faithful with every single thing God appoints to you and trust that God has forgiven your sins. Look at what it says about Jesus. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession who was faithful to him who appointed him. Jesus faithfully submitted to God. Moses does the same. One of these two people is perfect. We're going to read about that in a second. But the reality is this. You have to be faithful to what God has appointed you to. If you're listening to my voice right now, God has appointed you to something. And now, of course, the point of this text here is to rise to the supremacy of Christ and to show how awesome Jesus is. It's not necessarily to say, be like Moses, but I do think this begs the question, are you faithful with what God has given you, with what God has shown you, with what God has appointed to you? Are you faithful with it, or are you just like, eh? Jesus was faithful and perfect. Moses was not perfect, but still faithful. And the question is, are you faithful with what you have been given? And once again, the point of this is to rise and to show the supremacy of Jesus in all things. But the question still remains, are you faithful with what God has called you to? A flawed but faithful person is used powerfully in the kingdom of God. A flawed and faithful person is every single person who has ever existed besides Jesus. Are you faithful? I was thinking of this passage as I was preparing that word there shown twice. It's obviously important to our main idea in verse 2. I was thinking of that word faithfulness and where it shows up in the rest of Scripture. There's this passage in Luke chapter 16. This is the teachings of Jesus. It says this, One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful with much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. The question is, what has God appointed you to? What little things has God given you now? And are you being faithful with them? Because it's really easy to make excuses as to why we don't want to be faithful, right? I'll get around to that when I'm in college. All right, I'll get around to this faithfulness thing and falling after the Lord. If my life really starts falling apart, maybe I'll consider coming back to this Jesus thing. All right, okay, well, I'm having kind of fun doing this right now. I know so many people have testimonies about how they like kind of partied for a little bit and then came back to Jesus. I think I'm just going to do that. The question is, are you faithful with what God has brought you to right now? Jesus was faithful perfectly. Moses was flawed but still faithful. But the reality is this. We are called to be faithful with everything God has given us as well. Consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. This is the only time in the New Testament where Jesus is called an apostle. It's kind of weird. I was reading that. I'm like, is that what it says? And commentators were like, that is what it says. And it's a little strange. Uh, The apostles were appointed by Jesus to profess the good news of Jesus. So an apostle was someone who saw Jesus face to face. Uh, They could perform miracles. Uh, They knew Jesus personally, and they were speaking the words of Christ through the Holy Spirit. Um, Those were the apostles. And so in a way, I think this passage is showing us that Jesus is an apostle. Yes, this is the only time in Scripture he's called that because he is pointing to the faithfulness of his father. And just like the apostles of Jesus, Paul and the rest of them are pointing back to Jesus. Jesus was faithful to point to his father. And uh, the author chose to call him an apostle and the high priest of our confession. We have a confession in Christ. We profess this truth of Jesus And he's the high priest, which we talked about last week, we'll talk about next week. And he is also the apostle of our confession as well, which I think is really cool. 
let's continue on in the passage. Look, look at verses 3 and 4. It says this in verse 3. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. As much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. I like that verse there because it shows us that Jesus is worthy of glory. Now that word glory may be one of the most misused words in our language. That word glory is used in the Old Testament and the New Testament all to relay this idea of the weight of God. We use kind of that word glorious. How many of you have used like, I don't know. So I was thinking of this. There's just one time where... um, I don't know if you've ever been away for an extended amount of time on a camping trip or something. Um, so I was with a couple friends. We were uh, running this camp in Michigan. And uh, the showers that we had access to at this camp were like a little subpar, to say the least. Like a little bad. Like there's kind of like dirt always on the floor. And you try and turn on the shower, it'd be freezing. And there would just be like kind of a couple drips. And you're like, I guess I can shower with this. And um, I remember this very clearly. We were all in this text thread over these years, um, running these ministries and such. And I remember after camp, there was always this idea of like, man, taking a shower in my own shower and laying in my own bed was glorious, right? And that's just kind of the word they chose to use. Or maybe you decide you're just like exhausted for a week and you get a 20-minute power nap and you're like, that was glorious. Or you're starving and your mom brings you through the Taco Bell drive-thru and you're like, this is glorious. And then you have like stomach issues later. All this to say, it happens, right? We've all been there. Um, We misappropriate this word all the time. There is literally so much weight in the word glory. There is so much power in the word glory. And the author is strategically using it here to say that Jesus was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. So the glory in the Old Testament refers to the evidence and the presence of the one true God in creation. When God would appear and manifest his presence in the Old Testament, his glory was on display. We see this in Mount Sinai. We see this in the giving of the Ten Commandments. We see this in the crossing of the Red Sea. We see this in the Battle of Jericho. We see this throughout the ages of the judges and the kings. We see the glory of God appear before the people of God. And people are always stunned. God just completely wipes their enemies off the map. Or God completely redeems or rescues an irredeemable situation. That is the glory of God. The evidence of God. The existence of God. That word uh, very simply used uh, means weight. There's this weightiness to glory. And so when it says Jesus was counted of more uh, glory... Or, excuse me, when it says that Jesus was considered worthy of more glory, it is saying that Moses doesn't even compare to the person of Jesus Christ. As good of a guy as Moses was, and as flawed as a character as he was, Jesus has more glory. There is more weight to his name. There is more evidence of God's glory in the person of Jesus. And glory can also refer to a person's reputation or status in the Old Testament. Uh, Solomon was uh, crowned with glory. There was uh, evidence of a high reputation that kings had all throughout the Old Testament. To achieve a great status is to be glorified in the Old Testament. Um, Glory can also mean the evidence of the work of the Lord. 
right? The evidence of the Lord is all across the earth. There's a passage that says the world and the earth is filled with the glory of God. And so this is a word that should not be used lightly. Now, glory in the New Testament as well is used here. And it often means the evidence and the blessings of God. And this is what the author is saying. Jesus was faithful and the glory of God is seen in Jesus. The glory of God is considered uh, clear here in the person of Jesus. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. The author is saying that Jesus is the glory of God, and he is worthy of every status, every praise, every manifest presence of God is found here in Jesus. He is worthy of every word that you can speak of his glory. He is worthy of every single worship song that you could sing to him. He is worthy of every single breath in your lungs. He is worthy of it all. And because he was faithful to God's calling, God glorified him. God raised him from the dead and brought him to sit at the right hand of God, even to this day. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house, has more honor than the house itself. Obviously, Moses is just a created thing. He's a guy. He's just a dude. He was born. He did awesome stuff, and he was a sinner, and he died, right? He is just a part of creation. But what is Jesus? Jesus is the builder of a house. And I like this little verse, verse four. It's funny. It's in for parentheses too, which I love. It's kind of the secondary thought. What's more, what has more honor? What has more glory? The house or the builder of the house? Well, obviously the builder of the house, right? You don't look at a building and think, man, that building was really awesome for just like building itself up, right? And it's just kind of like the building that designed itself, like that's just a great design, right? It's like, dude, someone built that thing and they get all the credit that you're ascribing to it. The same is true of Jesus. All right, Jesus obviously created all things, including Moses. Moses was just a guy. So the author here is saying, hey, there's somebody who is worthy of all honor and all glory and every good thing that you could ever say is actually being pointed to one person in his name of Jesus. Now, here's where you and I step in. This is where you and I step in. Glory can be an action. To glorify God is an action and a command. To ascribe worth to something is to worship something. To bow down before something and to recognize it for what it is, to ascribe glory to the Lord is a command. To point to the one true living God with our words, our actions, our work, and our very being is to glorify God. That's where you and I step in. Now, we aren't struggling to stop glorifying Moses or angels, right? We're not... Uh, we're not listening to this in the first century context that many people were at this time. But we struggle to glorify things that don't matter all the time. Again, the commandment in Scripture is to glorify the Lord with everything. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians that says, so whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to what? To the glory of God. In the Old Testament, it's present as well. It says, Psalm 115, it says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, 
give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And the question is here, are you glorifying God with your life? And if the answer is no, then what is most glorified in your life? Do you have this mind-bending view of Jesus like verse 3 says? For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house. Does God and does the person of Jesus get every single ounce of respect that he deserves in our lives? Do we ascribe all glory and all honor to him the way we should? Do you? Do I? Do we? This is where the passage gets uncomfortable because we have the choice to worship God or to not. Every single person in this room is a worshiper. You're like, I don't like singing. I don't know how to play the guitar. Trust me, you are worshiping something. There is a throne in your life and you put something on that throne. You ascribe glory and worth and honor to that thing. It might be God, but it might not be. It might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It might be your future plans that you've written down on a piece of paper and you've put that on the throne of your life. So as long as this happens, I will be okay. As long as I'm with this person, I will be okay. As long as these people like me, I'll be okay. Who are you glorifying? Who's worthy of that glory? Only one person is worthy of that, and that's Jesus. And now you and I, we're, again, we're not struggling to worship Moses. We're not struggling to worship angels. We've talked about that when we were at the conference. But we struggle to worship things that don't matter all the time. Things that don't have value. Things that are just a part of the house that God has built. They don't deserve our worship. They don't deserve your worship. And you should stop. And the Lord can graciously remind you of this. Or he can painfully but lovingly remind you of this. Because when that thing gets taken away from you. And you're left in pieces on the floor. Who will you turn to? The Lord's faithful to be there, but he's here to remind you that he is only worthy of that, of that throne in your life. He's the only one worthy of that. It's certainly not Moses or any other hero of the faith. It is Jesus. It's certainly not another human being that exists here on earth that is fallible just like you. It's certainly not any future plan that you can create in your mind. It's certainly not your grades only one person is worthy of the glory that we can ascribe to him, and that is Jesus. And we can do this. How, so here's the question. How do, we, how do we glorify God most? How do we glorify God most? One word, obedience. How do we glorify God most? By obeying him. That's it. How do we glorify God the most in our lives? How can we show him the most worthy and the most honor and show him the most glory by obeying his words, by following after him? By choosing with our words to speak of the goodness of God. By choosing with our attitude and our actions to work hardly for the Lord. By choosing with our actions and our word to not tear someone down, but to uh, encourage them and to bring them up to choose with our attitudes and our actions and our words to sing to God, to choose with our actions, our attitudes, and our words to obey God. That is how we glorify God. That is how we show him he is worthy. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house. We bestow glory and honor and worship to so many stupid things that do not matter. 
And your life will be filled with so much more joy and so much more purpose if you recognize it now that those things will be destroyed. But the Lord will remain forever. Who are you glorifying with your life? Who are you worshiping? Are you glorifying God? When people listen to your words, when people see your actions, when people see your heart, do they see a person who's trying to glorify Christ or glorify themselves? When people look at you, your friends, your family, people in your classroom, people that you don't know are looking towards you, but they're, uh, they're in your sphere of influence somehow, do they see somebody who's glorifying God or themselves? Because it can be pretty evident, you know. There's something that changes when you think, I, God, you are, on, you are worthy of all the honor and the glory that you have. And you are worthy of it all. And I'm going to live my life like that's true. And then there's also this thing that happens when we don't believe that. And we think it's we're living for someone else or we're living for ourselves. Um, are you living for God? What do those people see in you? Only God belongs on the throne. So, of course, how do we do this? Obedience. Obedience to God and graciousness towards him. Because why? Because he is more worthy. He is, wor he is worthy of more glory than Moses. Now look at verses 5 and 6 as we close here. Verse 5 says this. It says, now Moses, again, this guy keeps talking about him. He's here like three times in these few passages. He's drawing this clear picture here. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house. That is a word-for-word word repeat from verse 2. As a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house. If indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting in our hope. This is the final reality. Our confidence and hope is in Christ. Our confidence and hope is in Christ. Uh, the conclusion in these, past two, these last two verses is simple. Just as Moses testified to the things that were to come, we testify in Jesus' life and sacrifice as well. As Moses was pointing forward, we're pointing backwards. That's what he's saying. God was, Moses was faithful in God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken of later. Right, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Moses wrote these, these awesome books and he is pointing to somebody who is to come. And we, as the author has described, we're doing what? Well, just as Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, we are his house and we are holding fast to our confidence and in our boasting and hope. Our hope and our confidence is in God. That's my encouragement to you today. Is your faith and your confidence and hope in God. The conclusion here is simple. Moses is pointing forward to testify of all the awesome things that God will do in the future. And we are pointing back and forward in the same way to all the awesome things that God has done through Jesus and all the things that he has promised he's going to do. We're in the same boat as Moses. We have to be faithful to speak of the things that have happened. And we have to hold fast to what? We hold fast this idea of clinging, this idea of, of holding near and dear something, our confidence and our boasting in our what? Our hope. Jesus is equated as our hope in this passage. If you were to take an assessment of your life right now, which word would describe your life better? Hope or fear? 
if you were to describe your life right now, if you were taking an honest assessment, is it hope or is it fear? What kind of defines your daily attitude? What kind of defines your daily outlook? Is it hope or is it fear? Because in the person of Jesus, we have hope. Just as Moses was faithful to testify about the things that were to come, he was faithful in that. You and I need to be faithful in holding fast to what? Our confidence in our boasting in our hope. There's this key verse here that I kind of glazed over. I want to talk about it again. How Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Verse 6 says, But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. So Moses was just a servant. Jesus is a son, the son of God. And we are his house. Did you catch that? And we are his house. God's faithful over what? His house, which by the way is you and me. God is faithful to you. Every promise that God has made, he will fulfill to you. God is faithful. That's where our hope and our confidence comes from. That's where the assurance of our salvation is in all the promises that God has made to you and to me to be faithful to, towards us. The more confidence that you have in Christ, the more your hope will flourish. The more confidence you have in Christ, the more hope that you put in Christ versus the things of this world, the more peace and hope will flourish in your life. Why? Because Christ is faithful. Uh, Jesus takes care of his house. Jesus takes care of his house. He takes care of his kids. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. That means God will take care of you. God will take care of you. So why, why this picture of Moses? Why this story of Jesus versus Moses? Simply put here, Moses was faithful to, live, to deliver God's people temporarily, but Jesus was faithful to deliver his people permanently. Both times, people needed to be delivered. God chose Moses to take his people out of slavery and out of Egypt. But Jesus was faithful to take you and I out of slavery to sin. And that's what the author is doing here. And he is showing these people that there is someone who's better. There's someone who's greater. There's someone who can save us from the consequences of the bondage of slavery forever, not just temporarily. These people got saved out of slavery in Egypt, but they were still slaves to sin. Moses couldn't deliver them there. Moses couldn't forgive sins. Moses couldn't heal, but who can? Someone who's greater. God himself could. The author is showing, as Moses was faithful to deliver the people of God for a season temporarily, God will deliver you and I forever. God will be the one who can deliver you and I together. Jesus specifically can deliver you and be faithful in what? His house. It's compelling his listeners to take a look at Jesus as their confidence, their hope, their salvation. And I'm imploring you to do the same. This is what we learn. Jesus is the only one worthy of all honor and glory. Nobody is worthy of our lives, of our worship, with our words or with our actions or with our thoughts. That exclusively belongs to God 
in Jesus Christ. And so if you're in the room tonight, there's a clear calling to recognize Jesus as Lord. Not just someone you like, not just someone that can save you from hell, but somebody who is commanding your day-to-day life every step of the way. And for the other type of person in the room who still believes and still thinks and still knows that they haven't turned to Christ and that you're still in bondage towards the chains of sin, your calling today is to turn to Jesus as what? Your boasting and your hope. And the reminder for all of us today is to look at Christ and to remember him for what he has done and for who he is. So I wanted to encourage you guys with this. The Lord is faithful. The Lord is faithful. He takes care of his house. He doesn't have a disorderly house. He doesn't like not know what he's doing with his house. His people, God holds you dear. God cares for you. Do you believe that? Do you know that? I pray that you would. He is faithful and he is greater. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than angels. He's greater than anything. I hope you know that and believe that today. Let's pray together. God, we love you. We're thankful for the time that we get to share. Um, Be with us as we sing now. And um, I pray that we would hold confident, that we um, we would hold you dear. We would hold fast to our confidence and our boasting. God, which is you. That we wouldn't sway to the left or to the right, but would we know and believe that you have redeemed us, you have rescued us. God, thank you that you've been faithful to us even if we weren't faithful to you. God, I'm thankful that we can turn to you every single day and that you will take care of us. God, I pray that we would have a higher view of you, something that we've been praying for the past few weeks now, that we would decrease and you would increase. God, will we recognize you as greater? We love you. Help us to sing with confidence and boldness. Just help the student right now who is dwelling on their anxieties or their fears or the things of their past or things that they've done, things that they've struggled with. God, would you speak to them? And in this moment, on this Wednesday night, would you draw near to them? God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful that you didn't leave us alone. You didn't leave us as wandering through the desert, God, but you sent a faithful deliverer to bring us into your house. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray.